98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo talk with the decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Now. Three o'clock hour, the Burns and Gambo show here on 98.7 FM, Arizona sports station. And while we certainly wish it was under better circumstances, and the Coyotes did win last night. They beat the Sharks 5-2. But obviously the story that uh, is the story right now for the Arizona Coyotes is the injury to their all-star Clayton Keller. And joining us right now on the 72 Sold Sports Line for his bi-monthly visit is Bill Armstrong. Bill, uh, the Coyotes general manager, welcome to the show. And first of all, uh, have you had a chance to visit with Clayton? How is he doing? Because that uh, injury and that whole situation last night was obviously a very yeah. frightening situation for everybody. Yeah, he, he went in hard. You know, he just he, he, he got a little bit out. He was at full speed, and he was going to get a puck, and he just his legs got spread apart, and he just uh, he, he lost an edge and went flying into the boards. And you could tell as soon as he hit it, it wasn't good, you know, and uh uh, credit to uh, not only our trainer, training staff, and the doctors, but just getting him off the ice in, in a safe way and getting him evaluated quickly and then getting him into surgery was uh, tremendous. Uh, I know they've worked hard. And uh, um, if there is good news out of this, um, you know, the, the point where his, his leg was broken, was a clean uh, a clean break and and it's uh, to me I've, I've seen the same injury on Kevin Fiala who played for uh, Nashville and he was back up the, the next year and played all 82 games so um, there's some hope he's got a long way to go in rehab but if, if you're going to get injured then, and that's you know with that impact it's probably what you want to be broken instead of your knee or your head and or your hips, so yeah. um, that is the, the, the good news on, on, on that uh, injury. Yeah, for any of us that have ever played the game, I mean, that's happened, but for me, I, I didn't skate that fast, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, I, and I would just try to go, because you, your, your choice is what, to go in shoulder first, or, or I mean, because that, that split second yeah. when you're going down, it's either you go in head first and shoulder first, or you're going with your legs yeah. once you lose an edge, and, you know, obviously, he, he lost the edge, he went in feet first, broke the leg. What are we talking Talking about Bill, four to six months on the recovery. I think so. I, I think so. I, I think he's got a chance to, you know, if everything goes well and it heals properly, um, he's got a chance to come back and you know, uh, hopefully start the season with us. And we'll see how that goes. Um, but um, the, you know, the doctors were very excited about the way the surgery went and uh, what they were able to get accomplished in the surgery. So um, obviously, he's got a long road ahead of him, but he's he's done a great job. He was having one of his best seasons ever. And, yes. Uh, uh, it's, it's a big loss for us. Yeah, second All-Star appearance. He was leading the team with 28 goals. That was a career best for him. Most goals scored in a season by a Coyote in over five years. I, I want to ask you, I know the season is is almost over. You still have a couple weeks left. Yeah. But, but in terms of how something like this, in the context of a game and in the context of a season, how it impacts the mood of a, of a, of a dressing room, how it impacts the guys in that locker room, how does something like this kind of hang over everybody for the rest of the year well you know the one thing about it you know people think you know you know these these guys are superhuman you know and they're they're different than the average person but you know if you could have seen our team all piled into that that, you know where where he was being x-rayed and and you know and and making sure he was okay with his mom in there you know and, and and myself was you know we're in there plus all the trainers i mean we're you know, we're a pretty close you know, unit, you know, uh, for an organization. And, 
Uh, he's such, and I think, you know, why so many people were so upset is because, you know, they know what he gives every single night for, for our club and how competitive he is and how he doesn't, uh, you know, we're going through the rebuild and here's a guy out there, you know, blocking shots and doing whatever he can and just absolutely playing as hard as he can every single night. And uh, he's a warrior for us. So he's, he's certainly, uh, you know, one of our, one of our leaders and he does that by the way he plays. How do you feel about him now compared to when you first got here? Obviously, he got stronger. He added some muscle. He's got, what, 28 goals, which is a career high. He was, he was going to pass his career high for points in a couple more games. But the, the, how you thought about him when you first got here to how you think about Clayton Keller now, how much has it changed? Well, it's changed a lot. I mean, I knew him since he's been 12 years old. And, you know, he was played on a team in youth hockey that didn't lose a game in two years. I mean, you know, he was a pretty special kid growing up. And my message to him was, you know, when I came over, is like, I want you to train as hard as you can during the summer. I know I've had conversations with a lot of people, but not everybody embraced it, and he did. And I said, listen, you've got to go back at this. you got to go harder, work on it. He came in, he was bigger, stronger, faster, and you could see the difference. And he was hungry to make a difference. And that's the thing that you love about him is that, you know, he's a competitive guy inside, and uh, he's what you want, you know, when you're rebuilding because he's driving your inside, your organization from the inside by what he gives. And he's just a great example to all our young guys coming through. I want to ask you about the your, your Finnish goaltender. I had just a beautiful country. I was there a few years ago and absolutely loved Finland. I mean, you'd see a house and you drive for another mile. You see a house and you drive for another mile. You see a house and I mean, we stayed in like a glass igloo with the northern light. It was just a beautiful, beautiful country. But you got this goaltender, Hari Soteri, uh, one goal for Finland in Beijing. He's going to be here. How much do you expect him to play down the stretch? How much of a look do you want to get at him? Well, you know, he's an interesting guy. He's matured since the last time he went through the NHL, and he's playing some great hockey right now. So, um, you know, through our contacts and our scouts overseas, they they said, hey, listen, if you can get him and take a look, you know, maybe someone you sign for next year, you know, depending on well, how well he plays down the stretch for us. So we'll we'll try and get him in some games. Obviously, Benjamin has been running uh, pretty well here, and he's uh, he's certainly been a dominant goaltender for us and he put on another performance last night against the Sharks you know stopping 41 shots so um, you know he's going to lead the way and if if we can get uh, our finished goaltender to kind of clean up and uh, you know take the odd game here and there and give uh, Veggie a break and and that way we get a look at him and and see what he can do in the NHL. Uh, we're talking with Bill Armstrong, general manager of the Arizona Coyotes. He joins us here on the Burns and Gambo show every Thursday at 3 o'clock. It, not to the same degree, obviously, with what's going on with, with Clayton, but uh, update everybody on the status of Lawson Krause, what happened to him, and, and it sounds like his season is done as well. Right, Bill? Yeah, we've had a, we've had a lot of injuries. We've had ten guys that uh, that are out right now. So for us, it's um, it's a little bit of a battle with uh, with Krauser out. He's got the broken hand. He blocked a shot. But the good news is, you know, if he didn't put his hand up, he would have broke his face. <laughs> so he, he probably saved himself a, a good facial surgery uh, with his hand. And Moser's broken hand again, that broken finger, and you know Brian's got a broken finger. We're just we're Jeez. banged up right now, you know, from from head to toe, and with Chickren out too. So. But, you know, in, in saying that, there's, there's goodness in that because you get to see, take a look at a lot of your young guys. And Jenna came up and had a heck of a night last night. Uh, you know, our coach moved him over to the wing, and he just had some great chemistry. He was flying last night. So those are all good things. And we've got to see Richie in some different looks with some different lines. And I like him. He's played really well. I like yeah, him. Yeah. I do. And, 
Yeah, he's a big man, and he's uh, he's he's chipped in with their score. And Barrett Hayden got a goal last night. So a lot of times, you know, you know, when stuff happens, it's not good, and uh, you don't want to wish injury upon anybody. But it also opens up some avenues for us to take a look at some of our young guys. And we've got Jack McBain in with us now, and he's going to uh, hopefully play in our last ten games. And uh, oh, that's great. You know, we're yeah, we're anxious to take a look at Nathan Smith. Uh, you know, he's playing for uh, the semis uh, in the NCAA, so if they go on, they'll hopefully play for a championship, and we'll get him in for some games coming down the stretch too. So it'll give us a, a lot of opportunity to take a look at our young kids, and uh, you know, as usual, we'll, we'll battle. And our coach has done a great job making sure there's no excuses, and we're going to come and work our butts off every single night. Yeah, I mean, McBain, you can just see when he's standing next to you, when you guys are holding his number two jersey, just how big he is. I'm glad we're going to get a look at him for those 10 games. i got to ask you about the GM meetings and any updates that came out of that. You were there Monday and Tuesday in Florida. What what can you tell us about how that went down? Well, they, uh, they, you know, in, in the meetings were great. I mean, I mean, the one thing that you learn in those meetings is the, the, the league has worked extremely hard to make our game a better game, better viewing game, better played game, a faster game, you know, more entertaining game. And, and that's what you work on when you go to those meetings and it's all about. And they know the GMs have a lot of good insight on the game and how to improve it. So that was the main thing that we talked about. Then we bashed the referees for a couple hours. <laughs> Yeah, that's always it. It looks more like like a pinata, you know what I mean? The head referee stands up there and he just takes it for a good couple hours. And, uh, you know, it's our way of getting, you know, letting it out, you know? So uh, that's always a good thing. But, uh, no, it's, uh, they do a great job running them at the meetings. And the, they take a lot of input from us and just make sure the game's going in the right avenue. So it's uh, – um, it's, it's always it's always good to get there and, and, and touch base and uh, and help and give some input. Well, our best uh, from Gambo and I uh, to Clayton and to everybody in the organization because that was obviously a tough moment for everybody. Bill, we appreciate you coming on for a few minutes talking about it. We'll talk to you next, uh, next week or sooner than that if we can, okay? You got it. Hey, guys, thanks a lot. Much appreciated. Thanks, Bill. Bill Armstrong joining us. 72sold sports line. Get your price at 72sold.com. The wait is over. WWE 2K22 is out now on PlayStation and Xbox. You can throw down with the biggest and most realistic WWE superstars and legends, such as The Rock, Goldberg, and more. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Right now, it's your chance to win a copy. The trend is happening, and it's one that bears discussion and keeping an eye on. Devin Booker and how he plays against Golden State. And last night was another example of his struggles against that team this season. We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. And listen live on the Arizona Sports app. Listen live on the Arizona Sports app. Home court advantage. It's a privilege granted to the number one seed in the NBA playoffs. The Phoenix Suns are that number one overall seed this season. Where does the road to the NBA Finals in the Western Conference have to go through? Phoenix. Suns run to the playoffs. Presented by Canvas Annuity. Butcher dribbles past Payton into the lane. He scoops it up and scores with the left hand. Altered that shot on his way into the paint. And Devin Booker has his first bucket of the second half, 13 on the night. Devin Booker had been playing some of the best basketball of his career. The last three weeks, four weeks, I'll have to go back and look at exactly the numbers. Boy, last night, that was bad 
Devin Booker and not like that's a bad man Devin Booker like oh that was really bad right, book. that right. was really really he he was just it, it was off it was off all game and usually Gambo even in moments like that where they won they beat Golden State even in moments like that there'll be a stretch where Devin Booker will kind of like redeem himself, right? Like he'll have a moment or two in a the fourth quarter. Spurt where right. he hits a three, hits a layup, hits a three, hits a mid-range jumper. All of a sudden he's got ten points in three minutes. All the time happens. Didn't really happen last night. No, I thought, listen, they're, they're an elite defensive team. And, you know, if you go back to before all the injuries occurred, they were the best defensive team in the NBA. They've got a great philosophy on how they play defense. They get after it. They pressure you. They trap you. They make life miserable for you. And there's no, there's no question about it. When we, you know, when we look at the games, Devin Booker has had some struggles in his games against the Golden State Warriors. I mean, you know, you go back to the first game, he hurt his hamstring. So he played, and I remember that game well, the first time when they beat them, he only played 15 minutes. He had right. 10 points, two rebounds, one assist. But he hurt his hamstring in the second quarter. I think he was driving for a basket, and he pulled up. If that was, that I remember correctly, correct. that is it. Yep. he drove for a basket, and he ended up hurting a hamstring. He came out of the game in that second quarter, did not come back in. The other games against Golden State, the game on Christmas Day, he played 40 minutes. He was 5 of 19 from the field. He was 1 of 5 from three-point range. He only scored 13 points in 40 minutes. Only had three rebounds and three assists. So he didn't play very well you know, in that game. And he missed the other game against Golden State. And then, the, and then this is the third game that he's played against them. And then last night, obviously, 5 for 21 in 37 minutes. Scored 22 points. Uh, got a lot of them at the free throw line, but shot 5 for 21. So if you took it to take a look at shooting-wise, the last two games, he is 10 for 40 shooting the ball against the Golden State Warriors. In two full games against Golden State this year, he's 10 for 40. That's 25% from the field. Yeah, it's funny. I'm looking at the, the, the total stats that involve, that include also that game where he hurt his hamstring. Booker's 28.6 shooting percentage against Golden State. There's only one team that he has been worse than that against this year, and that's Boston in one game. Remember that day? Remember that that weird morning game, 10.30 in the morning oh, against Boston yeah, on the road, right? Yeah. Like it was like on New Year's Day or the yeah. day after New Year's Day. And, and he wasn't very, he was 7 for 26 in that game. He was not very good at all in that game. they get blown out in that game? Uh, they did. They got blown, blown out in that out, game, yeah. yeah. He's played against Golden State, like you mentioned, three games so far this year. He's shooting 28.5% against them. Now, normally we sit here and go, blah, 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 small sample size, blah, 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 don't worry about it, it's Devin Booker, blah, blah, blah. It's Golden State. And it's a team that they very well could face either in the Western Conference Finals or in the Western Conference Semifinals if Golden State stays at number four. What is your level of concern that Devin Booker seems to not do very well against the Golden State Warriors? Do you find it concerning that he doesn't do well against Golden State? March 4th last year. Okay. Okay. Devin Booker, 20 shots he put up against the Golden State Warriors in that game. He made six. Six for 20 against the Golden State Warriors. To dismiss it would be wrong, right? To dismiss it and say it doesn't matter, it doesn't... I mean, the sample size is two. Okay, I'll go go back to last year. How do you do against Golden State? Played one game last year, he shot six for 20. Wasn't very good in that game. <laughs> I think there's something to just the way they play him. I think that they're a really good defensive team, and it's going to be very, very hard to just have great games. No, I, do, I think the Suns are better, and I think the Suns will win, and I think they've got plenty of weapons to overcome that. Um, but there's no question that Golden State puts a lot of emphasis on making sure Devin Booker doesn't beat him single-handedly. Can I, can I do you one better? I, 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 your numbers are great. I just looked up his career numbers against Golden State compared to everybody else. Okay. There's you, not Chris, a- you know how to do that. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't know how to do it. But only if you say it in that voice. Yeah, only you if you say it in that, that whiny little bratty voice. You, yeah, you know how to do like, that. I, don't, I really I, don't know how to do that. I do it. know how to do that. Um, there's not a team in the NBA for his career. For his career. That he's worse against? That he's worse against. Yeah, they're a great defensive percentage. team, but, 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 okay, but, because they're great. Like, yeah, they're, they're really good. Blah, 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 blah. Because they're a great defensive they're team. They're really good. Yes, they're really right, they're good. They're not a middle of the pack. The Golden State Warriors are a premier defensive team in the NBA. They really get after it. They got long defenders. They got athletic defenders. They put pressure on you. They got a great defensive philosophy with Steve Kerr. Like, that's, they, they've got an anchor in Draymond Green. Uh, they're, they're good. They're a good defensive team. Like, Okay, what do you, you, you're not going to go shoot 50 something percent. The Suns had some streak last night snapped of games where they shot the ball over 50 percent. I don't know. Exactly. I think it was eight straight games. Was which it eight was straight games? The, okay. I saw the graphic on Bally. Um, it was the highest in the NBA since like 2008. I think 2009, something like that. I think it was eight straight games yeah. where they had shot 50% or better. And he personally, I mean, Devin Booker was on a heater, man. He was on a tear. His last 13. Oh, my God. Look at his month. No, his last 13. Okay, I looked at his last 13 games. It was basically the last month or so. He was shooting 54% from the floor. His, this is the best month. Look at the month. The month overall, he clobbered every other month he's played. This was the best month he had. Even with that game against Golden State where he didn't shoot the ball well, he was killing it. He had never shot this well in a month. Field goal percentage. Okay, you're talking about the month of March now? The month of March. In 10 games in March, dude was shooting 55.5% from the floor and 43% from the three-point line Okay, now go look at the other months. Go look at the other months. He didn't shoot the ball that well in those other months. So he was just, you know, he, he was great in March. I mean, he was really great. February, he shot 46.9%. Wait, wait, hold on. I thought you didn't know how to look this stuff up. Well, I don't know how to. I could look this up. I could just look at they give it month by month. So. I just well, you just yeah. I thought you didn't know how to look this stuff up. Well, I just I called it up and it just it's showing it to me. I wouldn't have known how to look it up, but it's just like it's right there in my face. I'm looking at it too. The, the yeah. numbers are so, incredible. Look, let's get to your point. Is it anything to worry about the D book struggles against the Golden State Warriors? I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I don't think it. I don't think you worry about it. I think you just you have to deal with it. It's something you got to deal with. Doesn't okay. it? You know what I hear when I hear you say yeah. that? I hear you. I hear yes. Yeah. It is a little something to worry about. It's a little something to. You know what? Not worry. Worry is the wrong word. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. You keep it in the back of your mind. You deal with it. You got to yeah. deal with it. You keep it in the back of your mind a little bit and go. Okay, I understand. That's not going to be the best matchup for him. Uh-huh. If you meet them in the second round, that might not be the best matchup. But for him. it's not going to be like if you if let's just say it's a six game series. They're not going to hold Devin Booker down for six games. There's nobody in the league that can. They may hold him down like there's not. It's not going to happen. It's not going to be the Golden State Warriors held Devin Booker to 25 percent shooting over six games. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen because he'll figure out ways to. He'll figure the more you play your team. The 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 more you figure them out, you adjust in you series. Adjust, and, yes, yes, yeah, yes, exactly. So you know, Devin Booker's only played three. Yeah, last time was the third time he's played Golden State this year. You play a team in a in a longer series, you will start to figure out where you can get them, where you can beat them, where you can get the spots on the floor, how to beat a double team, how to beat a trap. Look, great players get double teamed all the time, and he'll have pressure on them the whole time. There's no way they shut him down for six games. Can they shut him down for two or three? Yeah. Could that be a difference in a series? Possibly. Yeah. But there's no way that they can shut him down for an entire series. He's too good. So we've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. It's our show, but in podcast form. And if you like to listen to podcasts, subscribe 
right now on your iPhone or your Android, and you're not going to miss our show. You can listen to it however, wherever, whenever you want. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast is brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get the most money selling your home for cash. Go to highestprice.com. That's highestprice.com. Dating back to the Josh Rosen draft, Steve Keim has done something bold in the offseason. Four straight years, something bold. Does he want to make it five for five? Because Gambo's got a suggestion on something he can do to make it a bold offseason. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo Live, Auction Community Studios. Happy Thursday to you. Thank you for hanging out with us. You know, we always appreciate it. Thanks for letting us keep you company on this Thursday. Uh, four years in a row now, for those of you keeping score at home. Four years in a row, the Arizona Cardinals have done something that we, I, I think you too, consider to be very bold in the offseason. I mean, last yes. year it was J.J. Watt, bold. The year before that it was DeAndre Hopkins, bold. The year before that it was Kyler Murray. The year before that it was moving up to get Josh Rosen. Those are all, I think, you can define as bold moves. Four straight offseasons they did something that was like wow worthy, right? And before that, there was Chandler Jones, but that wasn't, you know, there was a kind of a couple year layoff where they didn't really do anything all that bold, if you will. Um, I guess unless you want to count Bruce Arians retiring, but I don't think it does. Um, no, I wouldn't count that. If the you sent me an email today, we exchanged emails with each other with show ideas, and the email basically said, okay, Bernsey, you want bold? This is bold. Trade for one of these guys in the draft. Which guys are you talking about? Tell me, t- tell me what you, there what you is told me in your four, email. Today. There is four edge rushers in this draft, and I fully expect the Arizona Cardinals to entertain the thought of moving up to get one of them. Well, you start with Aiden Hutchinson, who may go number one overall. That's going to be extremely difficult to do. And then you've got Kadon Thibodeau from Oregon, uh, who probably is going to go number two overall. So now you start to look at the next two edge rushes, and there's four great edge rushers in this draft. We actually uh, draft. We actually talked about two of them, the uh, one of them the other day. That's the George Cara Cara Caraftis Caraftis from Purdue. We talked about him. The other one is Trayvon Walker. Who, who is projected to go right now, number seven on the big board on ESPN. He's 14th. Karlaftis uh, is, is 10th on the big board, uh, and he's projected to go 14th to the Baltimore Ravens. So there are four great edge rushers in this draft. If you don't get one of those four, it's unlikely that you're going to reach for the fifth best edge rusher because there's a big difference between the top four and the next best guy. So I was. This is the total thought that I had in mind today, and mm-hmm. just to see. And it was a thought of mine, and try to do some homework on it and research, and just make some calls and texts. Bernsey wants bold. What would be bold? Oh, they need an edge rusher. They haven't. They lost Chandler Jones. They haven't replaced Chandler Jones. There's four really good edge rushers in this draft. Four guys that everybody loves as edge rushers. Yeah. With the Arizona Cardinals move up in the draft to get one of those edge rushers. <laughs> The, the screenshot that you sent me that really caught my attention okay. right, was from Pro Football Focus. I believe it was Mike Renner, one of their writers over there. And he's got those four guys that you're talking about, Aiden Hutchinson, and he's got Kayvon Thibodeau, and he's got Trayvon Walker, and he's got George Karloftis. And the graphic simply reads this. The top four edges in this year's class, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Karloftis, and Walker, would all have been the top-ranked edge rusher in last year's draft class. All four of them, every single one, 
would have been the number one edge rusher in last year's draft. That's how good they all are. Yes, I would do that. Yeah. Yes, I would entertain that. Yes, I would dramatically think about that if I'm the Arizona Cardinals because I would understand that, all right, I, I, I do. I need an edge rusher, okay? And I heard Wolf talking earlier today. You don't, you know, in his opinion, you don't necessarily need a 19-sack-per-season edge rusher, but you do need somebody who can consistently provide that pressure off the edge, and you certainly need a long-term answer at that position, yes. right? You need a guy, I mean, Chandler Jones, God bless him. He was a great Cardinal. He was a really good card. He, he was worth every dime they paid him over the life of that contract. Mm-hmm. He really was. You need to find your next Chandler Jones. You need to find your next elite pass rusher who can be here for years and years and years yeah. and years. I'm going to throw one more in that I missed on. There's okay. a kid out of Florida State, Jermaine Johnson, that is an edge guy, too. So, And he's had significant rises up the board. And that is a guy that I forgot to put in my, my notes to you guys today. There are two players, two players that I think the Arizona Cardinals would move up for. Now, remember I'm saying this in March, in case this happens. I'm saying this in March. I could see the Arizona Cardinals moving up for either one of these two players. Okay? Okay. The first one is uh, Jermaine Johnson, the Florida State edge rusher. Who is you know terrific player, one of the top performance performance uh, performers in Mobile. He was great. Um, he's projected to go 15 right now, and the other one is the Trayvon Walker. I think that he is the second guy that I think that they could end up moving up to get the kid out of Georgia. All right, hold on. You know what? Since I got him here. We haven't played these yet, so we're not going to play right. NFL draft montage not. Okay. Uh, memory right. here. Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker, Edge, Georgia. With an impressive physique and as an aggressive player, the 6'5", 270 defensive end uses his ruthlessness to excel in his role as a rugged run stopper. He does lack lateral movement and diversity on the defensive end, but his power and understanding of leverage makes him a weapon nonetheless. He's at his strongest against the run, but in the right scheme, a defense could pull more out of him. In college or in the pros, Walker is liable to run through whoever he's lined up across. His NFL can Comparison, Chris Wormley. Trayvon Walker, Eric Ruby. Trayvon yeah. Walker, uh, okay. Uh, Jermaine Trayvon Johnson. Walker, okay. Jermaine, Jermaine Johnson. Johnson Jermaine was the Johnson. other one. All right, here's Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson the second, Edge, Florida State. Johnson is a player on the rise. He was a full-time starter for just one season in Tallahassee after transferring in from Georgia, but he showed great strength, speed, and versatility during that span. The reigning ACC Defensive Player of the Year called himself the best edge defender in the draft, and some experts agree, looking at his agility, tackling ability, and his relentless pursuit of the quarterback. Scouts have pinpointed lapses in a awareness from time to time, but with more time and more reps, he can prove that last season was not a fluke. NFL comp Raiders D end Max Crosby. Yeah, this is a kid. I mean, he 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 ran really well. 40-yard dash time was 4.58. His splits were good. The broad jump was good. He tested out like a freak. He was highlighted as one of the top performers through the first two days of practice in Mobile. He tested very, very well. Standout performance, you know, at the uh, the Senior Bowl and the NFL start, Scouting Combine. Depending on how far they have to go, I mean, you might have to give up your first-round pick this year and your first-round pick next year to get an edge rusher. But I'm going to sit here 
here now on March 31st and tell you, do not rule out the possibility that the Arizona Cardinals will look at moving up in this draft to get an edge rusher. This could be the reason they have not added one. This could be a reason that they have not replaced Chandler Jones. They may feel pretty good about getting one of these edge rushers. There's five. I said four, but would you throw Jermaine Johnson in there? There's five edge rushers that could go in the top 15 picks. You probably got to move into the top 15 to go to go get one. But are you saying, and I want to make sure I'm clear on this, that the two we should hyper-focus on yes. is Jermaine Johnson and Trayvon Walker? Trayvon Walker and Jermaine Johnson. Okay. You're not getting the first two for sure. So you're not getting the first two, and you probably I don't know if you get the third one, but those are the guys I think you would I think you would move up for. I don't think it's the Purdue kid, but I do think the Georgia kid Trayvon Walker and the Florida State kid Johnson are two players. Now, depending again, depending how far the Cardinals would have to go up, the Cardinals have their first, they have their second, they have their third this year. They've got a bunch of six, they got some sevens, and you've got next year's inventory. They need an edge rusher. You want bold, Bernsey? You want bold. bold? That'd be bold. I know you want bold. I want five straight years of bold. I want a half decade of bold. I want you to start thinking about the Arizona Cardinals moving up in this draft to go get an edge rusher. That's some good stuff right there. When we come back, typically the defensive player of the year in the NBA gets some help by being the tallest guy on the floor. Is this the year that it's not the tallest guy on the floor? And listen to a couple of guys who aren't the tallest guy on the floor tell you why they should get the award. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Home of the Suns, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And listen live on the Arizona Sports app. The Suns run to the playoffs, presented by Canvas Annuity. All right, since we're talking Suns in this segment, I'll just go ahead and uh, I'll tell you this, and we're going to have this in the 4 o'clock reset. You want bolds? <laughs> you watch. Cardinals could go. Maybe they'll go get an edge rusher for you at boldness. All right, I'm sorry. I'm excited about that. That's okay. That's all right. You got anything else you want to randomly No, this Paige Buker's girl from UConn is absolutely phenomenal. She's fantastic. My God, is she a great basketball player. the women's Final Four tomorrow, right? Uh, she that, that girl is unreal. She is so good. Uh, I think the final the women's Final Four is tomorrow. Um, any, got anything else, random? Just whatever catches your random? attention? Oh, that would caught my attention. No, the, the info, <laughs> listen, you know this. You've been with me for a lot of years on draft I stuff. I mean, I we, we have really good draft stuff that we, we get into. If you missed it in the last segment, Gambo uh, suggested there might be a, a, a good possibility. The Arizona Cardinals would look to move up in this year's draft to get one of the premier edge rushers with two in particular that might be the ones you'd have to keep an eye on if you're a Cardinals fan. Jermaine Johnson and Trayvon Walker. Yeah, keep your eye on that. Two to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. No, what I was going to say is with the Suns, i uh, got some good news for you. And that is that Cam Johnson and JaVale McGee are probable for tonight's game, for tomorrow's game, I should say, against Memphis. Suns are saying Cam Johnson is probable, JaVale McGee is probable. And if you want the even better news, the Grizzlies PR just put out their injury report for tomorrow's game. John Morant's already out. Steven Adams, Adams, doubtful. Desmond Bain, doubtful. Jaron Jackson Jr., doubtful. They're going to play Mike Bibby and uh, and, 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 and Dickerson. They're going to play. They're going to pull um, uh, what's his name out of retirement. It was the uh, Zach Randolph. Zach Randolph. That's who I was. I was blanking on Zach Randolph's name. They're going to ask him to come out of retirement and see if he can play. So yeah, a lot of guys not playing for the Grizzlies. A lot of guys tomorrow night playing for the Phoenix Suns. Gambo. Now I know this will capture your attention because yeah. you've got real money on this. Um, Kurt 
courtesy a listener who made a bet for you. You bet $50 on Mikel Bridges to win Defensive Player of the Year. You made this bet several months November ago. November 30th. And you got plus 3600 on the odds, right? I'm going to win $1,750 if he gets it. Okay. But I know more and more people are telling me he's not going to win it now, so I'm not, I'm not getting my hopes up. There was a story this morning on ESPN.com. I included it in my email to you because it tells the story as to why people might think you're not going to win this bet. And simply put, non-centers don't win Defensive Player of the Year very often. Here's the number that they had. In the 39 times Defensive Player of the Year has been awarded since the early 80s, only one point guard has ever won it, Gary Payton. Shooting guards have won it another five times, but none since Michael Jordan in 1988. In the 39 times they've handed out this award, centers have won the award 25 out of the 39 times. Wow. And then they quote Rudy Gobert, and he's explaining why centers should always win it, because I'm responsible, he says, for calling out the team defense, right? It's not just one guy I'm defending. I'm calling out the defense for all five, blah, blah, blah. You guard one guy. <laughs> and that? You guard one guy. You, you, you should grab rebounds. You're seven feet tall. And that is the point made by not only Mikel Bridges, but also Marcus Smart, who's a great Boston defensive Celtics, player. A really good yeah. defensive player. But it, 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 in the 39 times that the Defensive Player of the Year has been awarded since its inception in 82-83, only one point guard has won it. Yes, I said that. Did you say that? Okay. I did. That's I okay. just told you I was probably reading something. And then the shooting guard, you said, what, Michael Jordan was the last one to yes. win as a shooting guard? Yes. So the chances of these guys winning it aren't, aren't very good, and centers have absolutely dominated the award. But you just got to, man, there's, got, there's something about being able to guard the best defender, right. the best scorer on the on another team every single night compared to a center, and that guy should you know should get more consideration. The, Mikel Bridges is quoted in the story, quote, you've just got to give more love and more recognition to on-ball defense. Guarding these tough guys like Harden and Durant and Kyrie and Steph and Luca, the list goes on. Award voters must not know how difficult it is to keep a guy in front of you and not really be able to touch him as much because they're going to call a foul and just how talented these guys are. They go on to, this is a, this is a really number-heavy stat here. Mikel Bridges ranks in the league's top five in half-court matchups on defense against All-Stars this year. So, like, there are only four other guys in the NBA that match up who are matched up more often against an yeah. all-star than Mikel Bridges is in the half court. That paints the picture of the job that he does when he's out there, the, the assignment that he gets when he's out there. Yeah, listen, he's he, his numbers don't pop, right? One of the things about Mikel is that the numbers don't pop. You know, the steals, the rebounds, or the deflections, whatever it is. But, man, night in and night out, he is busting his ass to make sure another guy, you know, James Harden had a terrible game against him. Steph Curry had a terrible game against him. Night in and night out, he is working his butt off. And sometimes he'll guard a one, sometimes a two, sometimes a three, sometimes a four. You know, where the centers, yeah, you got to go, you know, you gotta, the paint's important and rebounding the ball and blocking shots, that's all important. But those guys don't have to move as much as right. a Marcus Smart or a Mikhail Bridges has to move. You're a center. You know, I mean, unless you're guarding Carl Anthony Towns, mm-hmm. you've got a spot inside that paint area where you're going to you're going to be around. And usually, you're, you're the guy you're guarding is not going out to the three point line unless it's Embiid or Carl Anthony Towns. So you don't have that much to worry about. It. That was the point that Marcus Smart was trying to make. Quote: Let's think about it. As a guard, especially on the team that switches a lot, especially on the number one defensive team, you are worried about every single player. And here's the thing: when you see Defensive Player of the Year, that means he can guard all five spots. Listen to this quote: Nothing against Rudy. 
Rudy can't guard all five spots. I can guard all five spots, and I have been doing it. I've done it very well, close quote. That wasn't Bridges. That was Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics, who, as you mentioned, is a really good defender. Is this the year they break the mold? Is this the year they don't give it to a center? Is this the year they give it to a... What do the odds say? The odds say Marcus Smart is the favorite right now? You are correct. Yes. And then Mikel Bridges is third? Correct. Okay. Behind Bam Adebayo. So Bam Adebayo. Okay. Marcus Smart as plus 130. Bam Adebayo is plus 250. And man, you were really smart to get into Mikel Bridges when you did, because he's plus 300. You got him at plus 36. Yeah, but you know what? Second place is what? Stugatz. It's Stugatz. You don't win a thing. I don't get anything. This isn't like betting, you know, on uh, when you bet horses, right? You can bet first, second, you can get something where you get first, second, or third. Win, place, or show, yes. Win, place, or show. So you can bet something where you can get first, second, or third, you get something. Yes, you I don't get anything for second place. Although here. some, I, I know, like on the FanDuel sports app, they'll give you a chance to, like, hit eject on your bet, right? Like, if, if you feel like the bet is going south. They'll give you an opportunity to kind of cash out before in case you feel like you're well, not going to win it. Well, you're a better. Should I hedge this bet somehow right now or no? Sure, you could hedge it. What would I do? Go go bet whatever amount it would take you to get your $50 back on Marcus Smart. Go bet whatever amount it would take you to get your $50 back on Bam Adebayo. So if I bet 50 on Marcus Smart, how much would I win? You'd win uh, right now. You'd win about sixty-five bucks, seventy bucks. But you didn't even need to be. Wait, have I bet fifty? Yeah, because he's plus one thirty, right? I don't I understand think that's right. it. I think that's right. The, I'm the just wondering. On me, the pressure on no, me. I'm just saying, if I put if I, I put right. fifty on Bam and fifty on Marcus, like I'm not, I'm not a gambler. But no, you some put, people like they would they call it hedging your so bet. Plus one hundred is the exact line. So you pay fifty, you get fifty back. Plus one hundred is the exact. Line the exact spot. So if you only did, if it's only like one thirty-five, you're only going to get like dollars back, like fifteen dollars. Yeah, but you only what what you want to get back is your original bet. All you want to do is you want to get back the fifty bucks you put down on Mikael Bridges. (laughs) Well, if that's but that's hedging your bet. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, hedging your bet is is okay. Put yourself in a position where you can make back the money you would lose if Mikael Bridges didn't win it. It's fifty. So you just you just bet on the other three guys, and you could get that fifty bucks back really easily when one of the other three. So if I bet fifty on Bam and fifty, yeah, you bet twenty on Bam, twenty on Marcus Smart, twenty on Rudy Gobert, just to make sure. And if either of those guys win it, you're going to at least get the money back back that you bet on Mikel Bridges. Just, you know what? Just send Screw it over it. to me, Gambo. I'll take care of it. <laughs> I'm just going to roll with Mikel, man. The hell with all those guys. I'm rolling with Mikel. I'm rolling with the lemonade stand. Let's go. <laughs> you got no when to hold. No when to fold. No when to Like, what would a gambler tell me to do? Hedge. A gambler would say Hedge. One of my best buddies in this world is a gambler. Yeah. Two weeks ago when we were talking about this, he sent me a text and he said, you really need to teach Gambo the art of hedging. So I think he thinks you should hedge. Just get a okay. big set of clippers is what I'm told. I know my degenerate gambler friend is listening because he listens every day. I don't care about he's losing 50 he, bucks, he, though. He should hedge, right? I'm, to, I'm not talking to you anymore. I'm talking to my friend who's okay. listening to the show. Degenerate should gambler hedge, friend right? of Bernsey. Should I hedge? <laughs> what should I? Just tell me what I should hedge. If I should, What do I do? So give me a degenerate gambler out there. What should I do? I got $50 on Mikhail Bridges to win 1750 bucks, And I'm not a gambler.
First bet I've ever made. Uh, uh, one of our listeners says, mm-hmm. don't jinx it, Gambo. Ride with your original. Your charmed life might help McKill Bridges. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. <laughs> That's like, true. It is true. Like, it, true. Would be you... the, it would be a Gambo-like thing is I never bet and I, I throw $50 down and I win 1750 thousand percent correct. You live the most charmed life of any human being I've ever met. McKell Bridges might win Defensive Player of the Year because you bet on him back in November. You know what? Let it ride. Let it ride. Let it ride. Let it ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 31 black, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Somebody says she told me to bet 500 on Marcus Smart. 500? 500. I don't think it would work that way, but I'd have to look at the numbers. Mm. You, okay. you, you, right. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll check it out during the commercial break. It was gritty. It was grindy. It was ugly, but it was a win. We'll talk Suns Warriors next on the Burns and Gambo show.